and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Is it okay that I'm still highlighting, Jesse? I don't think anybody cares. I'm still highlighting my notes for the show today. Think maybe I have too many notes? I think you're using the desk space well. That's what I think. I think I as, using the prime real estate. As I uh, as I ripped you for uh, rustling your notes yesterday, I became a note rustler. That's okay. Today. Noted note rustler Tim McAuliffe. I apologize. Look, how else are you supposed to get your notes organized? You, you have no choice but to do that. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a stickler for having stats and things to back me up, but like I don't go, often go to all these notes. Yeah. And, and oftentimes I'm just confused by the notes that I've compiled. Better to be prepared, though. Well, the confusion part, yeah, that's tough. But it is better to be prepared. You're walking into a two-hour show. Over preparation versus preparation. Exactly. I need to find that healthy balance. Exactly. Maybe we can find a way to dial back the uh, amount of papers on the desk. Yeah. Just to save the environment. For another day. I'm an idiot. This is Tim and Friends from Wednesday, October 20th, live on Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet Now. I'm Tim McAuliffe. You are the friends of the show. So is Jesse Rubinoff, who is with me, as always, at least until his lovely fiance makes a good man out of him. I know that's something my dad would say. Make an honest man out of you. Yeah. It's coming up, isn't it? Next Thursday. Next Thursday is the actual wedding, or next Thursday you're gone? Next Thursday is the actual wedding, and I'm here up until Wednesday. Wow, look but today, at that. today, i got to be honest, this is, you're not going to believe it. That's impressive. I, I didn't even tell you this uh, off air, but today was the first day where she actually sent me, like, the majority of the details for the wedding. Like, right. like I, I know where it is, but that's about all I knew. But you're not, like, so Thomas Dobby, our producer, yeah. was overproducing. You've produced in the past. I've produced in the past. He was overproducing his own wedding. He overproduced right. his own wedding. Right, right. Um, were you like? We can chirp him because he's in Italy, not watching the show. <laughs> he's not yeah. watching. Are, are you that dude? No, no I'm you don't care. You're just gonna, yeah, you're just gonna show up. I'm underproducing. She, yeah, she has taken care of everything. She's amazing. Uh, <laughs> that was a good add-on. That <laughs> 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 was an awesome add-on. It was a veteran add-on. And in my head, I was like, wait ten years, you won't have that on anymore. But whatever. Great timing. Next Thursday, great timing. I mean, it's a real quiet time in the world of sports. Yeah. That's on me, though. That's on me. <laughs> uh, right now, the sports world has more going on than, well, I don't know, this dude. They see me rolling, they hating, patrolling and trying to catch me riding dirty, trying to catch me riding dirty. Like, I'm no rocket surgeon, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's not safe. What if he has to break immediately, like quickly? It's a problem. It seems like he's got some experience. <laughs> yeah, everyone. And maybe everyone more seems importantly, happy. the dogs have some experience. Yeah, he seems happy. The dogs seem happy. I'm happy for them. I'm just hoping that it doesn't end poorly. Yeah, no. You uh, you get that video, you move on, and you probably never want to see that person again because exactly. yeah, there is danger upon. Like I said, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that's not safe. Yeah, but that's the type of video that that gets. That gets some don't, action don't, online. Don't try it at home, please. No, definitely. Please not. do not try this at home. <laughs> uh, not safe, neither is trying to do an all-sports show right now. Like an all-sports show right now, there's so much whole-grain goodness right now. I'm feeling a little bloated or just plain old fat. I think you can see my breasts. In the immortal words of one Robert Cecil Cole, everything 
is happening. The Raptors are playing their first regular season game at home in 600 days. The two favorites to win it all in the NBA both lost an opening night. Whatever the hell is happening in Philly today, and that's just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the NBA story. The NFL week starts tomorrow in Cleveland. Broncos taking on a severely banged up Brown squad trying to cling in the AFC. We are a week into the NHL, and I am the anti-hot take guy, but there are already several Canadian teams who feel like they're reeling right now. Not the Oilers. They've looked pretty good through three games, four games. And the uh, Major League Baseball playoffs have been remarkably entertaining if you've been able to stick through all the bleeping pitching changes. Jesse, did you know that the average time of a playoff game in 2021 is now over three and a half hours? Like the exact number is 218 minutes per game. The rules that they implemented were to avoid this. And they flat out have not worked. Yeah, they are the longest games in it's playoff brutal. history on average. Like you want to go to bed at the end of the night. Like I, you want to get. A good I've sleep. passed out and several it's hard. times. Yes, it's, it's hard. my job, and I have passed out several times in the late game. Okay, so Blake Murphy, we were talking about this off air yesterday. Blake Murphy morning show on the fan, and he was saying like he, he roots for games to be blowouts so that he can go to bed as soon as the Astros put right. up a bunch of runs last night. I was out. I was like, there's no way the Red Sox are coming back. And if and if I'm wrong. I'll deal with the consequences in the morning. Uh, producer just whispered to me. What, sorry, what was that? Uh, I don't know, but people are writing. Oh, my collar's popped. Yeah. Hey, I'm trying to pop my collar. What that's, the hell are you talking about? That's what I was going to get. Yeah, I was going to start first things I'm, first with telling you to fix your collar. Because people are collar. writing in. They're just like, you can't have your collar pop for more than two minutes. People are going to say something. Oh, who says you can't have your collar? Oh, careful, McAuliffe. You look like your collar popped. It's like the Riddler or something like that. No, I like that uh, look. All right, so you got plenty of time to head over to Sportsnet <laughs> for Game 5 of the Astros and the Red Sox. That's right, kids. Chris Sale, Franber, Valdez ready to square off on Sportsnet right now. If you want to go, I forgive you. In fact, we will be watching in studio while we do this entire show. Bo Sox, Astros, if you ask me, they're a pair of Astros. <laughs> They're the kind of guys that would pop their collar. Uh, that's on Sportsnet. It's right now. Uh, are we still warming up? Yeah, we're just getting into uh, game time in that game. That's uh, batting practice before the game. But it looks like we're about a minute away from first pitch. In fact, I see Rosie on the screen, so that means that they're getting close. Uh, a full two hours of Tim and Friends type edutainment on Sportsnet 360. I got it. Sorry, oh, Jess. Oh, no. Was just, I was going to put it's up like a It's like annoying. It's like cuddling my face. I was going to do a poll. Should Tim keep his collar like that for the remainder of the show? It's like, it's it's nestling up to my face and it's making me feel it uncomfortable. Looks uncomfortable. It looks uncomfortable. Yeah. It looks feel, cool, but it looks feels, uncomfortable. Feels, yeah. The red trim, though, is nice. That's the part that I like. Uh, we got you covered. Either way, uh, whether the collar is popped or not, right here mm-hmm. on Tim and Friends, uh, we've got Sportsnet 360 for two hours. Two full hours. What more could a sports fan ask for? Uh, tickets would probably be the answer to that. Ken Reed, 15 minutes or so. Eric Smith from the Raptors home opener. Elliot Friedman for three of 32 thoughts because we don't have time to talk about all 32 thoughts and just how much he loves our new graphic, uh, which makes him look a little bit like... What I'm just trying to fit in. What are you doing? I'm just trying to fit in with the cool different types of clothing. Is that the same? All right. You don't like the hood? Enough babbling from your humble narrators. Let's get this puppy started. Jesse, start the barking with first things first. What's the word, Larry Bird? 
first things first. first. Yeah, let's pop it off with first things first. Hey. This is really uncomfortable. Okay, I'm done with that. But we begin with basketball. NBA season tipped off last night with a couple of games, and it'll be the Raptors' turn tonight. Their season opener, also their home opener. The first time playing in front of hometown fans since February of 2020. That is 600 days, Timmy. You spoke to Masai yesterday. Did anything that Masai said change the way you think about the Raptors or what your expectations for the team is this season? Nah, but I think you can win a lot of games in the NBA with hard work and dedication. Mm. Like, I think if you have a commitment to defense, uh, to hustling, and you got a good coach, like, you're basically at 35 wins. Like, I, I know the Raptors are down a couple of big pieces to start, but I think they'll win games with culture, and I don't, like... I don't say that without completely understanding what I am talking about. Like, I know the hardcores appreciate that. I don't know if the casual fan appreciates that. Like, I feel like Masai was lowering expectations a little bit yeah. in our conversation with them. And I think the hardcores are going to appreciate this team. And that's why I have them being better than last year, even without Kyle Lowry. I 100% agree. I think they have... I feel like... Masai and Nick Nurse want a roster to be constructed a certain type of way. And this is the type of roster that Nick Nurse and Masai Ujiri envision. They want to be long. They want to be athletic. They want to be defensive-oriented. And this is the type of roster that Nick Nurse will thrive with. He will have these guys playing very hard, night in, night out. And Masai Ujiri, we heard it yesterday, there's a reason he picked Scotty Barnes, because he fits into the mold of this team. They're going to be good defensively. It's just a matter of how much can they score? Can they score well? And that's something that Blake Murphy was in here talking about yesterday. How are they going to score when it matters? And you're going to need the Fred Van Vliet to keep doing what he's been doing at the same clip. OG is going to have to take a step. Pascal, when he comes back, is going to have to be pre-bubble Pascal. Yeah, I agree with all those things. I think you know what you're going to get from Freddie Van Vliet, and yeah. that is the ultimate compliment. Like, I don't say that lightly. I think you know what you're going to get from Freddie Van Vliet. Um, OG, where's the step? Pascal, where's the step? Mm -hmm. And I think Chris Boucher has the chance to be the level-up guy. Like, every year, the Raptors have the level-up guy. Like, Chris Boucher is starting to get comfortable in his spot in the NBA. He's going to be needed to rebound as well as score. I think you might see Chris Boucher excuse me, be that level-up guy. And for me, what Scotty Barnes can bring to the table is enticing. But really, how far along can he come? Because yeah. what, you're, what you're asking of him, like what the hardcores see in him, to actually let a guy be that player, like a point forward, like that's a lot of trust from management and coach. And I don't know if he'll be there immediately. He plays defense well. But offensively, if he gets that jump shot, look the bleep out. And I wonder how much they're going to let him attempt to be that guy, especially early when there will be opportunity with Siakam out of the lineup and Boucher for however long he's out. Yeah, I think that's a great point about the opportunity. Look, if Masai is sort of tempering the expectations, you would think that they're going to allow for the young players to grow and develop this season. It is a growth and development season, and they don't want to develop anybody more than Scotty Barnes based on the raw skills that this man possesses. Agreed. You know the vibes, Timmy. You know the vibes. I know the vibes. Is uh, that now the—we do we, we don't have that. 
you know the vibes uh, sound on tape, do we? Clip ready? I don't know if we have it ready. I don't think we have it ready, but uh, he came on this show yesterday by dropping in on Masai Ujiri's interview with us yeah. and said, you know the vibes. Yeah. I, I'm, I am down for that being a catchphrase for the year. You might have to soundboard it, potentially. You know the vibes. You know I'm, the vibes. I'm also down for a match game. Let's do it. Having the Raptors back is better than blank. Oh. Having the Raptors back is better than blank. Hit us up at Tim and Friends, obviously, and we begin with Mike. Having the Raptors back is better than having to watch another Toronto sports team play most or all their games in Florida or another American city. Welcome home, gentlemen. No doubt. Well said, Mike. Uh, Amy says, having the Raptors back is better than that first sip of morning coffee. That's good. Ooh, is that true, though? That's very the good. The first sip of morning coffee is ridiculously good. Uh, Amy, you are setting a, a high bar. <laughs> they better play well tonight. Yeah, I wonder how well they play, if they can live up to that first sip of coffee. So good. Because uh, it's very good. I got another good one coming up. Having the Raptors back is better than Calvin says, ribs fresh off the grill. If done well. If done correctly. If done Fall well. off the bone, good. People can bleep up ribs, yes. right? Like, But if you get good ribs, oh. Yes, agreed. Frank says, having the Raptors back is better than watching Gilmore Girls reruns with my wife. <laughs> boy, Frank. <laughs> Way to put in the work, Frank. Uh, Justin Very wordy, says, eh, Gilmore Girls? Yeah. Very wordy? Yeah, you ever watch? That's your observation? You ever watch Gilmore Girls? Yeah, but I don't really pay attention to the, the, the amount of words text. used. Yeah, you know, like it's it's very uh, it's almost like newsroom. Like they just don't get to the although like a Sorkin like no, a Sorkin yeah, show. Sorkin, yeah, that's a, that's exact. It's Sorkin like with its verbiage. Right. I love the Sorkins. Do you do you appreciate that that though? Like the writing um, has to be perfect for that to succeed. Yes, but I oftentimes find that they don't talk like normal human beings. Right, like they're too quick. Yeah, like, like no, wait, nobody's that nobody witty. Nobody is that witty. Yes, you're right. You're right. But it's still cool to watch. Yes. If you can get past that. Okay, having the Raptors back is better than, Justin says, that first bite of oven fresh pizza. We're not going to wade into any debates with the pizza, but you can just appreciate that. Uh, again, again, though, we've had this conversation about burning the roof of your mouth. Just yes. be careful with that first yes. bite yes. of oven fresh pizza. Yes. Also, you can choose to put it on the stove and cover the pan like Tim suggested. Yeah, that's, that's the life hack on reheating uh, cold hack. pizza. Yeah, uh, without a doubt. You okay. put it on the stove, you put it in a pan, you get a crispy crust, you throw the... Uh, the lid on top, and that melts the cheese. Bingo, bango, bongo. Come for the sports, stay for the life hacks. Uh, Tracy says, having the Raptors back is better than warm chocolate chip cookies. A lot of people going with food. Food references, yeah. yeah. Like, What's like going on? Are, are you hungry right now? Are you trying to lose some weight or something, and you're, like, you're projecting a little bit here? I'm on that like wedding. Yeah, it's, it's just so dumb. Yeah. I want to fit into my suit. It's just ridiculous. What are you? It's just dumb. I don't want to talk 12? about it. 12? I don't want to talk about it. Having the Raptors back is better than Sammy says. Better than my $25 birthday gift 12 years ago, which was Bitcoin money, which is now $18.7 million. What? Do you think that's true? There's no way. If it is, it's still not better than making a $18.7 million profit. I haven't done the, uh, I haven't done the math. You didn't do the fact checking on that? I didn't do the fact checking, but if that's true, 
He really likes the Raptors. That's one of the coolest responses of all time. No, he really likes the Raptors, if that's true. Yeah, he really likes the Raptors. <laughs> it's not better. Yeah, you're right. Really, really, yes. really likes like, the Raptors. Too much, arguably. Yeah. Can I call on BS response. on that one, or am I being mean? I don't know. Sammy's got to write in and respond. And, all right. Like, I don't want to call the person's bluff, but. No, I'm not saying. I'm just saying that even if he made that money, uh, the Raptors being home isn't that good. Yes. Maybe because he has the money, he doesn't have to worry about it. Right, yeah. Good point. You know what I'm Very talking good about? Point. Yeah. Uh, all right. Do you want to uh, move on to some more basketball? Uh, yeah, we'll have uh, plenty more of your match games. Having the Raptors back is better than blank. Yeah. Uh, a little later on in the show. Okay, so let's go to the Lakers and Nets because they both lost last night. The two favorites yeah. in Vegas. Uh, are you surprised by the Bucks and the Warriors winning these games? No. And listen, I think the NBA has fallen into its own trap. Like, way too often they're selling the sizzle and not the steak. Like, style means way too much and substance is way too often forgotten. Like, that's the ra- like that's the reigning champs in Milwaukee and all anyone was talking about was Kyrie and the Nets. And the Warriors have been there, done that, and all anyone's talking about is that old Lakers team. Larry Bird and Magic Johnson spoiled the NBA, and Michael Jordan took it to another level. But I don't like the Nets or the Lakers this year, and I'll go on record saying it right here. The the Nets' big three is a bloody myth. Like, when have you seen it? They never play together. The Lakers are old and one injury away from being hardly relevant. Yet all offseason, it's the sizzle of L.A. or Brooklyn who played absolutely no defense last year. But this is 2021, where attention seems to be the most important thing on planet Earth. Can you get attention? And who cares how you get it? Which is why I had something in my back pocket for a day. Listen, doing this job, sometimes I miss stuff. Uh, There's a lot out there, as we talked about off the top (laughs) in the sports world right now. You, You try your best to keep an eye on everything. We have a team that tries its best to do the exact same things. And sometimes y'all pitch in, and I love that even more. But I missed something on Sunday, and Monday I sat up here and told you about Candace Parker cementing her legacy with a second WNBA title to go along with her two NCAA titles and two Olympic golds. But the real gold, the real gold came post-game on Sunday after her Chicago Sky took the WNBA title. I wish she had seen it Sunday, but better late than never. In a world where it seems like you constantly have to scream for attention or bang your chest and demand respect. I absolutely love the message that Candace Parker wanted to pass on, and I think the NBA needs to listen a little. I think sometimes um, you don't have to tell your story, time will. And I think that, like, that's something that I've lived by. And uh, I think everybody up here has had that moment where they felt like they have to tell their side of the story and you don't have to like just put your head down continue to work do what's right be a good person work hard give energy and like the world will give back to you so i think that's my message with all of this is like you don't have to yell from the rooftops who you are what you do like let time tell and um and just enjoy the moment absolutely love it 
it's just so heartfelt and articulate and well said. <laughs> yeah, and to have like her two teammates put yeah. their hands on her back as she delivered that message. I think in 2021 we need to listen to Candace Parker more often because 100%. not only was it eloquent, in my mind it was right. Yeah, put in the work. Just put in the work and let the work speak for itself. Love it. Great coat. And be a good person. Yes, no doubt. Uh, Okay. Do you want to go to baseball? Yes. Let's do it. Uh, Major League Baseball playoffs rolling on. Another double dip tonight with both series going. And, Timmy, uh, you mentioned it off the top of the show. Uh, That's live at Fenway right now. Oh, nice. Kyle Schwaber right behind you. Zero nil, bottom of the uh, This is your favorite. You love when when there's sports going on right behind you. I miss doing play-by-play. That's why. (laughs) This game is uh, obviously live on. Slime of fouls one off. He's yeah. down 0 2. Valdez. Series tied 2 2. Uh, and the reason it's tied 2 2 is because they played game four last night. Yes. And it was a doozy. The Astros were doozy. down 2 1 in the eighth inning before doozy. quite the comeback. They scored eight unanswered, including a seven run ninth inning that I fell asleep uh, <laughs> in the middle of, which right. came after a questionable call by an umpire. Stop me if you've heard that before. Tim. This has been kind of a fun series, hasn't it, despite the umpiring? Well, it's, it's the, it, the game of inches has been absolutely positively on display, and we've shown it a couple of different times in this series, and you just showed it there. Mm-hmm. There's a strike call that gets the Red Sox out of the inning, and um, listen, there's two outs, tied at two. This is the top of the ninth. Nathan Ivaldi, who was an interesting call out of the bullpen yeah. for Alex Cora, who has had a bunch of interesting calls, uh, sees an interesting call, and they can't bounce back. But I'm going to give the Astros some credit here. And listen, I-, I thought it was a strike. I thought they were out of the inning, but sometimes you got to bounce back from that. Uh, the Astros don't give up. They have scored 36 runs with two outs in the postseason, including 18 of their 22 in this series. Wild. I mean, they put up seven in the ninth with two outs. Like, at, at some point, you got to settle down and get out of that if you're the Red Sox. Uh, this may have changed the series, and it's a damn shame that it came on something that could have been called a strike, but robot umpires aren't the answer. Sorry. That is a much bigger conversation. It's not the answer. Yeah, it's just uh, it's just unfortunate that we find ourselves in this situation where it seems like me and you every three, four days are talking about a call that an umpire did or did not make. Well, but that's just because we have a million replays in 2021. Like, this has always been the case, except you didn't have a square painted on the TV and you didn't have pitch track showing you exactly where it did or didn't catch the plate. Yeah. And how many times are we trusting a Uh, pitch tracks that we're not sure where it is like I know we're running out of time and this is a longer conversation but I I, I just want to throw that out there and baseball's on anyway right now so uh, if you want to go watch you can watch but I don't know that robot umpires are like what happens if the camera is a slight bit off like an inch off the plate well they won't introduce it unless they've absolutely perfected it right and that's what they're trying to do in the Atlantic League I know you're giving me the, the look as if, like, they can't perfect it. And that's no, I saw something true. from the Atlantic League earlier where there was a ball, like, a foot outside. It was called a strike. And the guy looked back at the umpire who was standing there. He's like, I can't do anything. Yeah. You it's expect like, why can't overrule you? the robot. Yeah. yeah. You can't overrule the robot. Yeah. So do it. Uh, okay, let's go to the NHL. Uh, busy night on the ice on Tuesday. First, the good the Oilers. Still undefeated after a 6-5 win over the Ducks. And the bad is the Canucks lost 5-2 to the Sabres. The Jets, still without a win, they lost 6-5 in overtime to the Wild. And the Habs struggled 
in a 5-0 loss to the Sharks. That's four straight losses to start the year for the Habs. Which team is in most trouble here? The Montreal Canadiens is probably the answer. But Travis Green ripping into the Vancouver Canucks last night, for those who didn't hear it, when I look at the sheet at the end of the night, I think we have nine forwards that don't have a block shot, eight that don't have a hit. I think, I've got to think, we didn't pay a big enough price to win. There's another call out. We heard Sutter do it in Calgary, who I think's in a little bit of trouble mm-hmm. here, depending on how they were. Like, there's a bunch of teams that need a response, and they need a response quickly. Jeff Petrie absolutely laid into his team in Montreal, and Dom Ducharme in French said, the game is honest, and it was honest with us tonight. That's a great quote. Man that's deep. Like, that's a 5 nothing loss yeah. for those who didn't see the score in that game. It was a 5 nothing loss to a team that I don't think a lot of people had as a Stanley Cup favorite this year. Well, uh, you issued a warning to the Habs um, after their loss to the Sabres, and I think it's important that we, we hear it because it was on Friday, and we should hear it right now. This group, as currently constituted in a division that tough, I'm sorry, they're not making the playoffs. Do people forget how good Weber and Price are? Getting smacked by the Sabres, a dumpster fire with a 40-year-old goalie, might make you realize that something needs to change. Like, you can't sleepwalk just because you made a cup final. I'm sorry, the Montreal Canadiens aren't good enough to sleepwalk against the worst team in the league and get two points. They're just simply not that team. And if they don't figure that out, they're going to be watching the playoffs from home. Big facts. You think so? Big facts. Except for worst team in the league for the Buffalo Sabres. 3-0 and yeah. Buffalo Sabres! I mean, it's early. <laughs> you know it's, what I mean? Yeah, it's early. It's We've a, seen this from them before, yeah. too. Yeah. But, I mean, point taken on the Habs. Like they, it, It's getting to the point, and I know it's still four games, but it's getting to the point where a couple more losses and you're behind the eight ball, and do you have the talent to bring yourself back? It's very hard to do, even though it's an 82-game season. Like, look at their top-line deep pair. It's... Petrie and Kulak or Romanov? Yeah. Like, that's what you're looking at in a really tough division? I will continue this conversation. Still to come, Eric Smith will join us live from Scotiabank Arena. Raptors get set to play their first regular season game in front of their fans in 600 days. We'll get the latest on Nikita Kucherov, Jack Eichel, Elliot Friedman dropping by. And we're going to continue that conversation about the Habs with Kenny Reed, who will join me in studio. We'll talk hockey, baseball, and he'll probably make 80s references. Tim and friends on a Wednesday. Let's go. And back to the right center. And it is down. A base hit. Taylor scores. And the Dodgers have the lead in the eighth. There it goes to left. And it's gone. And how about that? Altuve lines a home run up over the monster. Astros win at a final of 9-2, and they've evened this best-of-seven series two games apiece. I didn't realize how much I enjoyed living here until I came back. Just feels good to be back. Say what's up. How y'all doing? You know the vibes. Scotty Barnes. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Dear God.
I've already taken the show off the rails and we haven't started. I wish you could see the commercial break. Sometimes those are the most, like, Should we tell what I was watching on, on the internet? Uh, on the internet, like, you walked in here, you almost dropped your water bottle, like, three times. <laughs> yeah. You picked it up, you went and got a trophy. Then you showed Sebastien Morin. Lance Camp, he shoots, he scores. <laughs> right. Which was uh, how the 12-year-old uh, Kenny Reed, mm -hmm. well, maybe younger. Yeah, 12, 11, yeah, yeah. 12 yeah. Okay, so a 12-year-old uh, Kenny Reed first saw breasts in his life by watching He Shoots, He Scores. The physical therapist for Pierre. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, this is, what What just happened? You're showing I watched videos. Revenge of the Nerds in 84. And you got your trophy. Yeah. You stole your son's water bottle. That's hidden <laughs> on the ground. You dropped that can, three can times. Can we zoom in on the water bottle? Because <laughs> my son's bottle. name is on it. He's labeled it for where he goes to <laughs> I see him fumble this <laughs> twice. I didn't. Know, I didn't know if I could say the, <laughs> the name or not. <laughs> the top is destroyed. The uh, cap is destroyed. What are you doing? Drop it a lot. Lance and I'm thinking you're swearing, and then I don't know what the hell's going on. And Sebi's over here, and you got videos. Hey, why weren't they called Sebi, the Nordiques on these shoots? They were not called the Nordiques because the series was written by Régent Tremblay, who was a separatist, I do believe, and he wanted to call them Les Nationales. Quebec, right? Oh. Sebi? We? Oui? Sebi looks, Sebi's it looks like the Nordiques, right? Like it looks it's the like, end, so yeah. they could use the Nordiques jerseys in the wide shots because they yeah. took NHL footage. Right. But Sebi is from Chicoutmi, where Pierre Lambert was sent to the minors, and they wouldn't call Pierre back up to the National de Quebec because they were packing the rink <laughs> in Chicoutimi and making money. So, um, for those who are not uh, over the age of 40, mm -hmm. or maybe even 45. My non-target audience. There, there was a show, Do you know anything, Jesse, of what he's speaking I'm of right so, now? I, I'm so lost. Okay, so CBC had a show called the Schutze Scores, which they did in both French and English. Mm -hmm. And it was, a, it was a smash hit. It was about hockey, and it was about up and down. There was a little sex, drugs, oh, and rock a, and roll was, in it. It was a soap opera. Yeah. It was a soap opera surrounded by hockey. And they would, they would actually show some of the sexual scenes in this show. And it was, oui, un, they would. It was, it was unseen on English television. I mean, you guys had Bleu Nuit and things like that, Sabi, that they showed yeah. all the things all the yeah. time. But... In, Those in, are some late Friday nights watching that. In, in, in English Canada, uh -huh. no one had ever seen anything like this in their oh, life. Rien de shows comme ça. Right, and there wasn't HBO, and there wasn't Netflix, and there wasn't YouTube where kids could just go on when their parents weren't looking. So they were watching He Shoots, He Scores. It was a when, completely when different meet, era. Is this a good enough of an explanation? It's, of a what pheno it's phenomenal. When yeah. you meet another um, He Shoots, He Scores fan, you, you bond. So the two biggest fans I ever met of He Shoots, He Scores, Ottawa personality, Radio personality, stuntman Stu, mm -hmm. and former NHL tough guy Andre Roy. He loved <laughs> no. Lanceca. Right. Loved it. Let me ask you, was that the first time that you saw what you saw on his shoots he scores? No. <laughs> okay. Come on. We used to hide that kind of stuff, those magazines in the woods when we were kids. <laughs> you needed magazines back in the day. You, did? you needed magazines. Okay, did. so uh, I was just talking about the Montreal Canadiens, who <laughs> didn't show segue. up enough yeah. in uh, the series, He Shoots and Scores. They didn't. They rarely yeah. played the Canadians in each It was always, it was always. I think they paid more money to Boston. Yeah, I think that was the deal. Well, because Boston, though, they had the tough guy, Mac Templeton, always <laughs> rivaled with Jimmy Thompson. Jimmy Thompson was the tough guy for, 
for you're Boston. Real tough. You're a real tough guy in real life, too, Jimmy, Jimmy Thompson. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, years later for L.A., yeah. Uh, all right, so let's let's talk about the Montreal Canadiens because uh, this 0-4 start, and I, I thought I was early to the gun a little bit yeah. by saying that I didn't think they'd make the playoffs if they continued to sleepwalk, and lo and behold, they continue to sleepwalk. Are they like, sleepwalking or are they just not good enough? You take away some big pieces. You had it there in the last segment, Price, and he's doing the right thing. Way to go, yeah, Price. Yeah, Weber, that's so sad. Probably never going to play again. That's just that's just sad. Um, Deno, yeah. who, who we saw emerge such a great player. Edmondson now is going on leave because of his dad. Best wishes to him. Like, yeah. I, I think that the sad part is it's not just hockey-related. No. Like, like, the Weber thing is tough. The Price thing's awful. The Edmondson thing is awful. Okay, you lost Deno. That's a hockey move. But, um, yeah, I heard Jeff Merrick call them rudderless today, and that's that's kind of what they are. It's sad. They're not scoring goals. you got to score to win. Yeah. He shoots, he scores, right? They yeah, shot out last night. <laughs> haven't scored more than one goal in a game. And the start last night, how deflating is that? Well, but that's the point to – and I think Jeff Petrie, who went off on his team yeah. yesterday, I think that was his point was, okay, so all these things are happening, but you can't come out and have a guy dominate the – like, I mean, basically – how many goals have they scored all year in these four Three. games? Three. And had two in like yeah. five minutes. Well, uh, Less than four minutes and, into the game. And watching empty seats in the Bell Center? Yeah, 5,000 empty seats. Oh, man. So I can get into the empty seat thing. Is it businesses aren't downtown, so they're not going because maybe the guys are not at work? Is it people are just dumb, done with paying well, there's crazy a lot of, prices? There's a lot of it? executives in Toronto and Montreal yeah. who are in Muskoka or Mont-Tremblant. Yeah, exactly. Send me the tickets. I'll take them. Yeah. yeah. Highfalutin rich people. <laughs> Never. I don't like highfalutin people. So Mark Bergevin held an impromptu news conference yeah. earlier today. We got a couple clips, and to me, like, if you if you thought that ah, well, this is just something they'll bounce back from, mm-hmm. the impromptu news conference is oftentimes the case of a rudderless team. It's a preemptive strike, needing right? a little rudder. And here's what Mark Bergevin, among other things, had to say today. There's no reason, especially, but I, I, in Montreal is a different market. It's a special market, and as we know, uh, uh, sometimes tension is higher than it should be, or vice versa. It's you know, it's you're here or you're here, and and I feel it's you know, as the hockey boss, I think it's just show my support to the team and my also my concern, but that I believe the 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 uh, the answer is within. And if you have any question, that's why I was here today. No other reason. You look at yourself in the mirror and you say, you know, what can I do to turn this around? And, and, and not what he can do for me. It's what you, you know, what you can do for the team. Hmm. Yeah, and he wants to stay, obviously. But yeah, it's the old okay, pick it up, bootstrap stuff. I don't know if that's going to work. It's crazy because uh, we had Saravelli and Fridge on here last week, and they were talking about the Mark Bergevin extension and how he went to the Cup final yeah. last year. And it's such like he went to the Cup final with. Four or three huge pieces that aren't there anymore and wants the extension. And let's not forget in game four of last year, Sebastian Morin and I were watching and listening to local media in Montreal saying Mark Bergevin is out. Yeah, in game four against the Leafs, go down three games to one. <sighs> it, if, if, when it ended, Mark Bergevin was out. And that's why you saw the elation when they went. Remember? Yes. They went through yes. a couple of times. You saw that elation mm-hmm. because you knew that the job was on the line. I think and the, now, mm-hmm. and now, I wonder 
if that extension is in the rearview mirror. I think the best part about being the GM of Montreal Canadiens, or any GM for that matter, wouldn't be winning. It would be relief. And relief comes through winning. I mean, yeah. I heard Elliot and Jeff talking about how much Bergevin has aged, and Elliot was saying, yeah, like a U.S. president ages, right? You can yeah. see it. And I couldn't imagine the stress. I remember talking to the legend Doug McLean about being GM and president in Columbus. He said he'd wake up every day and the wall's right there. And then he comes in. Now he's RVing around North America. And that's Columbus. And that's Columbus. Right. Yeah, that's Columbus. That's a crazy thing. Now, I have something special I'd like to say, but I see we're running out of time in this segment. Can I tease it for the next segment? Can I take over producing this yeah, show right Yeah, without now? a doubt. We, we bring you in for your, your great looks, mm -hmm. your personality, yeah. and your trophies. Well, so. if, if you follow me on Twitter, and I know there's over half a dozen of you who do, <laughs> you, know, you may know what's coming up. And, and you know, I try to put my words into these things and sometimes I just can't describe it but I think there's a guy out there who who put pen to paper a few years ago with a song one of our great lyricists and I think this song kind of describes how Montreal Canadiens fans are feeling right now oh, we got a minute 15 left in this segment I don't want to give it away just yet but I'd like to tease it for after the break Okay. You know? So I, what do you want to do for the other uh, minute and five well, that's seconds? Where, that's where we're going to tease because this oh, is a big tease. So why don't tease. we take the break this is and, then add, and then add the one minute and three seconds onto the next block. We just produced from the chair. I've been accused of doing that every night on Sportsnet Central <laughs> by our producer Ryan Moynes from right. Lindsay, Ontario. Oh, you just did it here and you didn't know how to He's do it. He's listening so to I, the show right now. I kind of understand why, Ryan. Avoca. Yeah, yeah, Moynes doesn't like me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, more Ken Reed and whatever the hell he tried to tease there. I think it's a song. I think there's a song coming up. If you watched a couple of weeks ago, you might know who said it. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Uh, Ryan Moynes, producer of uh, Sportsnet Central, tweets into the show. What's up with Ken Reed asking to produce a show at Tim and Friends? Must be nice. Hashtag, let them know who runs the show. Yeah, have you, it's, a, it's a long hashtag, right? It's an inside TV thing. But <laughs> it's a long hashtag. Some on-air talent has been it accused. It's a long of, hashtag. Have you yeah. ever been accused of producing from the chair? In other words, telling everybody what to do? Yeah. Yeah, I get it a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think I've been there. Yeah. Uh, all right, so is is uh, seven minutes twenty four seconds long enough? Now? I think so. Okay. So little background, guys. <laughs> I grew up a massive Montreal Canadiens fan, right? And going to the form. Bell Center. It's akin to a lot of Canadians fans to a religious experience. Would yeah. you admit it? Like yeah. you've heard the hockey's the, a religion in Montreal. The form, the cathedral. Yeah. You know, it's like a cathedral, the, the Bell Center. So I'm thinking it's kind of like going to heaven, right? Like a bit. It's a heavenly experience. Some, yeah, so perhaps fans. I could go on and, and try to put it into words, but I think I'd rather rely on one of the greatest lyricists of all time. Of course, I'm talking about Paul Stanley, and I'd like to bring in Paul. Can we bring in Paul? All right. And so this is, uh, I'm going to, uh, how you doing, Paul? I'm doing good, baby. So we're going to ask Paul to, to maybe quote his 1984 song, Heaven's on Fire, off the album Animalized. Paul, are you ready? You know, I was talking to somebody backstage before, and they was telling me, a lot of you people like the taste of volcanoes juice. By the way, this is Matt Taylor's idea. It used to happen on Conan all the time. Can I? <laughs> Any uh, questions? You, you can't play yourself, too. Okay, okay. So I probably have to ask the questions like, okay. Hey, Paul, have you ever heard of manscaping? Like, what the... <laughs> manscaping? <laughs> this is carpet all over, baby. <laughs> that, is, that is shag carpet. <laughs> all right. So. It's time to quote from Heaven's Own Fire. <laughs> this is... These are the words Montreal Canadiens fans will be preaching to the Canadians. Where's Paul Stanley from? 
New York City. Oh, yeah. what, what kind of accent is that? That's what he talks like on stage. <laughs> okay, bye. Yeah. From Heaven's On Fire. <clears throat> now, you can't keep going back to your own voice. Well, that's how I roll. <laughs> this has not been rehearsed. No, this you can This is what tell. Canadian fans would be saying to the Canadians right hey, now. Hey, Moinsy, now I know why you produce. Go ahead, <laughs> I look at you, and my blood boils hot. I feel my temperature rise. I want it all. Give me what you got. It's hunger in your eyes. I'm getting closer, baby. Hear me breathe. You know the way to give me what I need. Just let me love you, and you'll never leave. Feel my heat taking you higher. Burn with me. Heaven's on fire. Paint the sky with desire. Angel fly. Heaven's on fire. And I think this lyric coming up really speaks to the passion of Montreal Canadiens fans. Like, if you dropped a Cheeto, you'd lose it. Oh, yeah. It'd be gone. It'd be gone. <laughs> now, these final lyrics. Should you found food later? <laughs> Some people found food. These, these words really speak to the Canadians. Oh. I got a fever. Sorry, I, did I interrupt you? I got a fever raging in my heart. You make me shiver and shake. Baby, don't stop. Take it to the top. Eat it like a piece of cake. In other words, what? the Canadians got to yeah. go for it. Heaven's on fire, so go for it and eat it like a piece of cake. Get into it. Does that not describe the, what the Canadians are going through? I think he's describing sex again. No. Yeah, I think that's... No. I that's right. You, you said the same thing when we quoted Rise to It. <laughs> right, okay. Sorry, what was the name of the song? Rise to It. Okay. Oh, how about we do some Rise to It so for the Canadians? He heaven's on fire. Heaven's on fire. I was thinking of Heart's on fire. That's from Footloose, isn't it? Desire. That's what? Rocky, isn't it? Yes, yeah. Rocky Four. Jesse nice. got that reference for the first time on the show. Nice. Didn't no, get no. any other reference on mm. this show. No. <laughs> uh, any other questions for Paul? No, I'm, I'm done with Paul. So Shave your chest, Paul. Paul. Like, what's going on with that thing? Just, it's all natural, baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's just what happens. <laughs> So Paul Stanley in a normal interview talks like this, but when he gets on stage, he talks even, like that. I, I don't even realize, I, like halfway through, maybe like a minute ago, <laughs> you I realized. my lips? No, I, <laughs> I realized that the underwear was cut. Yeah, he's wearing a thong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> what would you Thank expect? you for bringing that to our Where else are you going to hold your cigarettes with that look? <laughs> like we were going to talk about baseball and how long the games were. And what we could segue from like this man's bare chest being shown on national TV with your lips moving. Like, what just happened here? We summarize the passion Canadians fans have for their team. Heaven's on fire right I, now. I think, I think you lost me like two lyrics in. I feel, I look at you and my blood boils hot. They're angry. I feel my temperature rise. I want it all. Canadians fans want a Stanley Cup. Give me what you got. They're asking the, that team. <laughs> Give me what you got. It's hunger in your eyes. They're asking the Montreal Canadiens, come on. Give me some passion. I'm getting closer, baby. Hear me breathe. Those fans are on top of them. You know the way to give me what I need. They can go and win. Just let me love you. You'll never leave. That you feel that passion. Roland writes in. Roland writes in and says, "Talk more about he shoots, he scores." <laughs> <laughs> there are some guys with a lot of chest hair on. He shoots, he scores. <laughs> Pierre Lambert had a pretty nice mane on him. What do we got here? We still got uh, two minutes left in this segment. And I'm, I'm this pretty much happen? done. How did this happen? When you asked me no. to, to to sit in this chair, did you ever think this would happen?
This? Burn with me, heaven's on fire. Paint this guy with desire. So, Joe Thornton or Pavel Busnevich or how long baseball games are? Because when we... Oh, Joe Thornton. When we first came in... Joe Thornton. I gave you a bunch of topics that were sports-related mm -hmm. that had nothing to do with you doing the Conan O'Brien thing with Paul yeah. Stanley, though I did enjoy it. All right, Detroit! The first two times. <laughs> My Paul Stanley's awful, by the way. Uh, and so I had these other topics. Do you want to hit any of these in the one minute and 29 seconds that we have remaining? You know, I've seen Kiss over a dozen times. <laughs> They are awesome. That's it's a, a good show, show I've heard. Oh, Kiss is the I've best. I've never man. seen Kiss in Kiss, my life. Kiss is the best. That They're sounds awesome. bad, but I, you know what I mean. Um, yeah, Joe Thornton was kind of like, uh, if you've ever been to Kiss, the demon takes the, the sword, he, he blows fire, and then he chucks the sword. Watch Joe Thornton chuck this sword. You ready? This was called slashing. Is that a slash? Uh, that's a separator where I come from. I don't think they have that in the rule book, that's though. That's a Spearsy right in the old Sid Six Arrows there. Yeah, right in the old uh, Boris Kachuks, yeah. apparently. <laughs> exactly, right in um, the Paul Stanley's. Did you hear what he got for this? Two games? No, 1800 nope. bucks. <laughs> he, was, uh, he was fined the maximum allowable under the that's CBA. That's what they charge for a vasectomy without insurance down in Florida, I think. <laughs> it's $1,800 is what he's going to pay for that. You like, why you, bother with you, that? You know what you call that if you're Joe Thornton? Money well spent spent that is hey making room baby old school but that was a that was a not a slash that was uh it was a little bit warmer than a yeah. slash paul stanley's thong would have came right off so busnevich gets two games for two games baby <laughs> yeah I, i'm all about going back to the gag <laughs> like I, you know me I, i've been here a long time i'm yeah. a big fan of going back to the gag <laughs> yeah we went back to that gag about eight <laughs> times too many it's matt he loves it as much as i do don't you matt <laughs> matt you got good taste baby time for a break <laughs> welcome to be playing at the bangor auditorium <laughs> banger man yeah nice waterfront music festival trailer for sale Rooms to let 50 cents. Nope. Raptors fans, got the no wait is over. Yikes! Thanks, Kenny. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you very much, Sheepdogs. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Uh, is friend Ken Reed gone? Like, did he uh, did Yeah, he well, I don't hear him, so he must be gone. Um, all right, we got a couple of tweets here on Kenny's uh, performance here on Tim and Friends. Todd uh, writes in and says, quoting from the book of Animal Eyes, well done, my friend, well done, uh, which is a stark contrast to the rest of the people who wrote into the show. <laughs> including Brian Leach, <laughs> who had the judges saying something a little bit different here. Uh, we got another full hour on Sportsnet 360. Kenny Reed, a week away from his next appearance here on Tim and Friends, <laughs> or at least we hope. Game five of the ALCS between the Astros and Red Sox is happening right now. Over on Sportsnet, uh, they are going to break as we speak. Jordan Alvarez is due up for the Astros. So uh, we'll get some live looks a little later on in the show. It's still one nothing Houston as we speak in this game. Five winners of game five tied at two go on to win the series 70% of the time. So a rather big game at Fenway Park in the 2-3-2. Do you enjoy the 2-3-2, Jesse? 
I mean, if it's easier for travel, yeah. I don't like the 2-3-2. Two, two. No, you're not a fan? No, I feel I like bigger you get fish an, to fry. I feel like you get an advantage in a game like this by playing at Because home. game five is so massive. Because it's so big, tied at two, especially. Yeah. Uh, later in the night, it's the Dodgers and the Braves. Game four of the NLCS. You can see it on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360. 8 o'clock Eastern, 5 Pacific. The Bruins visit the Flyers in Scotiabank Wednesday night hockey. Coverage on hockey. Starts at 7 Eastern with Hockey Central on Sportsnet 1. Elliot Friedman will join us later in the hour. But the big story tonight, the Raptors returning to Scotiabank Arena. They open the season against the Washington Wizards, playing in front of their home fans for the first time in 600 days. Arash Madani has more on the long-awaited return. If you close your eyes, you can imagine how it all once was. Packed arena, squeaks of the shoes, buzz of the fans, the scene. Herbie bellowing from the scorer's table, the pregame pizzazz, the show, all of it. It's almost as if we've forgotten, isn't it? What it looks like and how it sounds. The way we felt basketball in our country go. There was the parade and then they were running it back and it felt as if the Raptors weren't going to be stopped. Until, until it all was. And then for the longest time, it all went dark. Jurassic Park into the dark ages. The arena gathering cobwebs, the wonder of what's next. They played in a bubble and for a hot minute all seemed fine, even when it wasn't for this team. OG drilled that shot and you thought maybe, just maybe there was something here. There wasn't. Then Tampa, that, and let's be real, it was a disaster from the jump. Siakam and Nurse at odds. Lowry spent more time in civvies than in uniform. And whatever front court was they threw out there. The Raptors as detached to you as we all were to one another. And you wondered what made this so fun, so great, so connected to the spectacle that united us all. Only two and change years ago, when a couple million gathered for the best outdoor party you could ever have. Well, the answer comes now. This, all of this, all of you and all of us, and after the world stopped and for all those months we couldn't gather, here we are, here we go. The man who bet on himself is now the face of it all. Is the highest paid of the bunch actually capable of being the guy? There's a new kid on the block doing and saying the right things. Can he emerge as a franchise cornerstone? They're not the Raptors you remember, the ones it felt like you knew by their first name. Kyle, Serge, Mark, Kawhi. A different team in a different world, but at last back at home. No more bubble, no more Tampa, no more tumbleweed blowing outside or in. We the North, at last, returning to the Great White North. Basketball is back. No need to imagine anymore. It's here. Real. Go time. Finally. Yes, Madani. <laughs> Welcome back, Raptors. And joining me now is the man who will call the game on Sportsnet 590, the fan and the Raptors radio network, Eric Smith. And Smitty, it must feel like home to be back in that building on a real game day. Yeah, it really does, Timmy. I mean, to, to be back here in this building with the fans starting to pour in, with the music pumping, 
The last time I was in this building, in fact, I was probably about 100 yards to my right in the Raptors practice facility in the makeshift studio that we were calling games from last year. And I was used to seeing this arena completely empty with, with all the stairs or, excuse me, chairs stacked in the hallways and, and things piled up in front of concession stands and just the lights out. It was just sort of cavernous and dark and stark and, and eerie. So to see this thing back to life and getting ready for tip-off in a little more than an hour. Uh, I couldn't be happier just as a, as a fan of the game in general uh, and certainly thrilled for the fans in this city to have their team back where they belong. It's interesting because I know Montreal had uh, the playoffs last year with limited capacity, but they opened to full capacity. There's still 5,000 empty seats at the Bell Centre yesterday for the Habs games. Uh, are you sold out? Tonight at Scotiabank Arena for the Raptors' first game, do you know how many uh, how many tickets might still be available? I asked that question about uh, 30 minutes ago, and I was not given a straight answer as to whether or not it was a sellout yet. That leads me to believe that perhaps it isn't yet a sellout. Right. I know as of about six hours ago it wasn't, but my understanding is if there are tickets available, uh, there aren't many. So I think that by the time tip-off comes around to me, I'd be surprised if it wasn't sold out or at least pretty darn close. And it would be weird to not be sold out, but at the same time, of course, we all know that everybody's comfort level is perhaps a little bit different right now in terms of whether they're ready to come back and be in a building and whatnot in spite of the double vax and the COVID protocols and the masking and everything else. But uh, I, I think the atmosphere either way. I mean, I'll tell you, even for the two preseason games in this building, Tim, yeah. there was still an energy, and there were only eight, 9,000 people for those games. I think the fact that people just are back and enjoying Raptors basketball in person, you could have 5,000, you could have 15, you could have 20. I think the energy and the excitement, the noise is going to be uh, off the charts either way. You know, it's funny. I, I knew that players appreciated fans, but I didn't know how much. And every person that I talked to that plays at the professional level was just like, you have no idea how much we want the fans back. So it'll be awesome. Even Masai yesterday was on the show, and you could, you could hear him talking to the fans saying, come down, fill this arena, because it means that much to us. Um, let me ask you. I, I saw the tweet. Nick Nurse uh, says his uh, starters will be Fred Goron, Scotty, uh, OG Precious, and that Chris Boucher will play tonight. That from the official Eric Smith, Eric two underscores Smith on Twitter. Um, was there any uh, was there any deliberation? Did you think that maybe there might be someone else in that starting lineup? Uh, what was your reaction to the official starters for Game One? I wasn't surprised about the three front court players, and we'll just call them that because I don't think that with those players and with this team this year, Tim, we can talk about small forwards, power forward centers. They're all the same, basically, at least in terms of size, this sort of positionless basketball that the Raptors are going with. The only question I wondered was perhaps in the backcourt if Toronto ultimately would have gone with Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr. instead of Goran Dragic and maybe bringing Dragic off the bench as a veteran presence with that second unit. But I will say, in announcing his starters, Nick Nurse said, uh, and I'm kind of paraphrasing here, as you guys probably could have or would have guessed. So I think he felt that we all felt that he was leaning this way based on the lineup that he put out quite often during the preseason. So I guess in his mind, this was kind of where he was leaning all along. And I don't disagree with it. It's almost a, a, a mirror or a morph of what Toronto has gone with the last X number of seasons, right? Where uh, Dragic essentially fills that Kyle Lowry spot yeah. where you have two point guards and having a veteran alongside Van Vliet in that backcourt. And I'm, I'm not against that by any means. And it certainly, certainly puts an onus now on Malachi Flynn as a second-year guy. It, you know, you're going to 
going to have to step up and you're going to have to play some solid minutes for this team running that second unit and then also spelling off Fred or Goron uh, when you play that shell game with the point guard position. Okay, so we know we've talked in almost ad nauseum over the last couple of days of expectations and where you expect them to be and what the high end and what the low end is. What are the challenges that this team as currently constituted without Pascal Siakam, who's still recovering from shoulder surgery, easy for me to say, uh, what are the challenges this team will have in winning games early in the season? I think the inexperience is, is the biggest factor. I mean, even look at who they're facing tonight. Washington has done a pretty solid job of rebuilding their roster and trying to rebuild their identity. And, and when you think about a, a potential superstar, certainly all-star in Bradley Beal and Spencer Didwini and, and Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Kyle Kuzma, and the list goes on when you go into their second unit and deeper onto their bench as well. There's experience on this roster. Yeah, there's some young, young guys, but there's experience overall. Outside of OG Ananobi, Goran Dragic, Fred Van Vliet, and when he's healthy, Pascal Siakam, Toronto is a very young team, and I think that's where that could bite them early in terms of the experience across the league on other squads. And I'm not saying that 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 they will be bit, but that's to me where if there is not a weakness, but um, something to keep an eye on, it's the youth and relying on the youth. And we can talk about the athleticism and the and the quick hops and the long legs and the high energy and everything else. But I think of we've we've seen not just in the NBA, Tim, and I think you would agree at all uh, levels of sport in terms of professional sport. It takes younger guys sometimes to get those sea legs in a regular season. And I think that's where uh, Toronto is younger than they've been in quite some time uh, across the board. And, and that's something perhaps to keep an eye on in the early stages. All right. So you look at this lineup and, and it's young and it's fresh. Who's going to do the bulk of the scoring, especially with Siakam out of the lineup? No, that's a great question, and I, I think it's going to come down to by committee, and I don't mean to cop out on that answer for you. Uh, I really think that on any given night, on, on you know, the, the leading score tonight could be completely different come Friday against Boston, and then come Saturday uh, against Dallas, it could be somebody different as well. I think that, you know, if we look at last year as a bit of a blueprint, Fred Van Vliet will certainly have to be a guy that, uh, you know, provides a lot of that scoring. I think OG Ananobi is due for a major uptick, and, and he's a guy that, to me, if all things go his way this year, and if he plays the type of role that we anticipate, he could be a guy that by the end of the season is in the conversation for most improved. So those two guys, I think, will certainly have to carry a chunk. When you look to the second unit, perhaps a couple of guys that we've already discussed and talked about in Gary Trent Jr. and thankfully healthy and ahead of schedule coming back uh, from his Chris, time off, yeah. Chris Boucher. I think those two guys could be real key points to the second unit. And those might be the four guys that I look to before anybody else, especially in Pascal's absence. Uh, I know the preseason can't tell you a lot, but rotation was tough to figure out. And when you look at this roster and you see all these names, it kind of seems to be a mash of players in that second unit that might see time. Do you know how tight the rotation will be? And might we see surprises off the bench for Nick Nurse today? I think we could see a couple of surprises. He hasn't really, you know, tipped his hand, Timmy, in terms of how tight that rotation is or how loose he's going to be with it overall. But I think because of the interchangeability of this roster and of so many players, and again, speaking to the youth, it might be a case of let's put somebody out there, let's see what he gives us, and either A, he's bringing it, or B, he's struggling, let's quickly go to somebody else. I mean, we've already mentioned the three guys that you know you can not just pencil in, but pen in that are going to get time in that second unit. Malachi Flynn for sure. 
Chris Boucher, Gary Trent Jr. I'm certain you're going to see Ken Birch. Well, now we've already gone four deep, and you've already got a nine-man rotation. Right. So you would assume we're going to see somebody else to make it that 10-man. Beyond that, like I say, I think it could be a matter of are we seeing a hot hand? Are we seeing a guy struggling? How much does foul trouble factor in with other guys? And then we go from there. So I, I think if Nick wants to see what he truly has projecting into next week, next month, and also projecting into when he's got Pascal back, I think he's going to want to see guys play to get them in real game time action to know who he can or can't lean on now that the, you know, it actually matters and the lights are on for real. What's the thing you're most looking forward to? We've had, you've had 600 days to stew. You've had 600 days to freak out. You've had 600 days to argue on Twitter with people. What, like, what are you most looking forward to as you get back into the building for real basketball? You know, honestly, and I, I don't want to sound cheeseball about this, but I truly am looking forward to the energy from the crowd and just having everybody back. That's first and foremost. I mean, when this thing starts for real at 7.30 and the player intros start and the ball goes up and the, and the crowd is just jacked up and energized, that's honestly what I'm looking forward to most because, uh, and I'm not complaining, hey, at the end of the day, I'm still very privileged and, and fortunate to have been able to work through all this and call games remotely and everything else, but to have been calling games off monitors from the bubble basically for almost two years now to be able to know that I'm back around fans and the energy of the building Timmy selfishly speaking that's what I'm looking forward to most in terms of the team itself I'm really excited to see what this team provides because I think that they've been sort of undersold or taken for granted by a lot of the quote-unquote experts, especially our brothers and sisters stateside that maybe uh, haven't given this team their yeah. just due. And I truly believe they're going to step up and surprise people. I don't know what the latest number is from Vegas, but I know I'd be taking the over on this team. And I really do believe when all settled and, and, and done by the time you know early to mid-April comes, this team is going to be in the conversation for the postseason. I don't think there's any reason to believe, if you're a Raptor fan out there right now, that your team shouldn't be in the playoffs come springtime. Uh, 36 and a half is the over and under on wins and plus 230 to make the playoffs. I don't know how I know this, but I do. Smitty, <laughs> love talking with you. Appreciate you doing this and enjoy it because, I mean, I've gone to a couple of games. I've said this a couple of times over the last little while. Went to the Jays a couple of times. I went to Canada soccer against Panama, and there is nothing like a full building and a lot of energy. So enjoy it because uh, this is why we got into the business. Absolutely, man. I couldn't have said it better myself. Thanks, Timmy. All right, be well. There is Eric Smith down at Scotiabank Arena for Wizards and Raptors to tip off the Toronto basketball season. Jesse, were you or were you not scrambling to look through your notes for those totals and those numbers as well? Well, we have a little segment planned a little bit later in the show <laughs> with some notable Raptors bets. But have you seen um, the shirts that they're giving out tonight? Is that the We Back shirt? We Back. I have it on my computer screen right now if we want to take to it. There you go. I saw the, uh, the logo. We went to a, an event uh, at uh, the OVO Athletic Facility mm. Complex. I don't know what it's called. Mm, exclusive. Uh, OVO. And they, they had a little tease of the We Back idea. Uh, so, obviously, they've morph that out. Yeah, it's going to look great. Like, no matter how many people are there, hopefully it's close to a sellout, like you said, and you were talking about with E, but it's going to look awesome, and it's going to sound awesome. A little blackout? Love it. All right. Uh, they are back. We will be watching. Time for a break. On the other side, we will keep the Raptors conversation going, giving you our best bets for the NBA season, plus more of your match game responses. See if you're excited about this as well. As excited as Eric Smith. Tim and Friends continues right here on Sportsnet 360. 
you know the vibes. Scotty Barn. <laughs> feels good to be back. I didn't realize how much I enjoyed living here until I came back. We welcome you to Scotiabank Arena in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. It's a beautiful place to be. Great city, great scenery, great people. There's this anticipation of what these games will be like. Getting these fans back in the arena. Van Vliet to deep Fred! Oh! Fred Van Vliet! Kawhi packs in! We are tied! Take it to the rim, Norman Powell! I remember the Kyle Lowry hit that long shot to go to overtime. Lowry lets it fly! Connection with the city for many reasons. For the win! It returns tonight. It returns this week. Five of their first six games. Home sweet home for the Toronto Raptors. And it inspired a match game today, Jesse Rubinoff. Yeah, it did. That, uh, that was well done. That, that got me hyped. Get a little uh, yeah. hairs in the back of the next The LeBron up. quote will always stick with me. It just I remember that. Like I said, I remember where I was when I saw that. And that was sort of the Raptors are, are here. I know they had already done some damage in the playoffs, but that was like the, the we're the real deal moment. Uh, yeah, I, I understand what that meant to a lot of people. Yes. It was also after a loss yeah. by the Raptors. So sometimes bigger, everyone's... Yeah. Anthony Kemp had a great job on, on that. Yeah. Bigger things on the horizon. Okay, uh, match game. Having the Raptors back is better than having your bride-to-be organize a whole wedding and just have to show up. <laughs> <laughs> Unless that person knows you, that's a very solid listen yeah. and respond. I wonder who's, uh, who that's about. Uh, thank you, Adam. Having the Raptors back is better than the Scotty Barnes vibes, which we all know are pretty good. You moved on quickly. Did that person know you? Doesn't know me, but That's obviously awesome. is paying attention to the show. Yeah, very paying attention to Adam. the start of the show, Adam. Very well good, very yeah. well done. Very yeah. impressive. I thought you moved on quickly because you did know them. No, I didn't. I don't know Adam. Can you do number Maybe two Maybe I should again? be friends with Adam because it's a really, really good tweet, really good response. No, I think your wife should be friends with Adam because she's <laughs> nice. the one doing it. That's yes, right. Uh, having the Raptors back is better than Nicolas Cage's hair in the wind. I don't know. That's, that's, that's almost as good as the $18 million that we had earlier in the show. What, his hair? Yeah, like the blowing in the... Sorry, I'm a little jealous. Of the hair. Right? Yeah, yeah. understood. Honestly, whenever I am about to choose a tweet or a response with hair, I, I don't always... Like, I should, in the back of my mind, have that... You know, I could be poking at you a little bit. 
I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Just move on, full head ahead. Okay, fine. Uh, having the Raptors back is better. It would be than... even better because I was a toupee and you're doing this to me all the time. I'm not going to know. There will be no toupees in the Twitter responses. Uh, Mike no, says. No, your toupee. What, you think this is a toupee? <laughs> yeah, that was a toupee, and you were chirping me like that. That's the only way it would be better. I mean, I'm seeing a lot of grays coming in lately, so I don't know. Yeah. We might be on the road here. All right, Maury. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the Raptors' bag is better than having to watch two baseball teams that cheated to win. There you go. Right. I get it. Very true. Topical. Uh, having the Raptors back is better than the off-season drama coming out of Philly. I'm with you on that. I'm, I'm tired of the off-season drama coming out of Philly. Are you? Yeah. You've had enough. I've, I had enough, like, right after the season. Well, Jordan says on Instagram, having the Raptors back is better than Ben Simmons' phone bill. <laughs> we, I don't think we ever addressed the fact that Ben Simmons was practicing with his phone in his pocket. And I actually pulled up um, a video of it because the one practice that, or a couple he practices. He showed up to. He showed up to. Yeah. Ben Simmons has his phone in his pocket. Well, there was, like, the video that all the, first off, like, everyone was just focused. Look at his face. Yeah. Very like, into it. Everything about every piece of video that I saw from the practice that he ended up See getting it? kicked out yeah. of right was that he wanted nothing to do with any And he's wearing track pants. But yes, wear, like, having a phone in your pocket while practicing. <laughs> we're talking about practice. We're talking about practice. Not great. Uh, okay, so obviously a huge night for the Raptors tonight. Huge night for the city, having the Raptors back. And we figured why not... Uh, in the country. Look at In the country, obviously. Um, and we thought why not look at some notable bets when it comes to the Raptors uh, because there are some good bets out there to be had. Uh, so why don't we bring up the board and we can go through a couple of them. Uh, I believe... Uh, one of the ones that caught our eye for sure was the the win total. And now I know it says uh, minus 150, so the odds are not great on that. But you talked about it with E. Yeah, it's not a coin flip. 36 you, and a half is a very low number. The, I mean, I said this off the top. I believe that if, if you have the right culture and you work hard enough, you almost get to 35 wins by default in the NBA. Like if you just work your ass off. Right. And everything that I've seen from this team denotes that they will work their ass off. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think they're only minus two and a half tonight against the Wizards. They are that, only minus two and a half. That was interesting to me as well. It's like the respect of constantly being, uh, or the lack of respect about this team from the South is working on Vegas too. I think we talked about it with Bobby, Bobby Webster. And that 36 and a half, mm-hmm. like, they were, I believe it was like eight of the last nine seasons, the Raptors have hit the over. Eight Which of the last nine. Ridiculous. It's crazy. Yeah. The only one that didn't was, of course, last year. Yeah. 27 wins last year, and obviously it wasn't a full 82-game schedule either. Uh, a lot of people very high on Scotty Barnes for obvious reasons, so his rookie of the year odds uh, looking rather enticing there. Double-digit odds. Same with OG Ananobi when it comes to most improved player. Uh, but those odds have dropped significantly. Uh, I know you had mentioned to me we were talking off the air that you got that number a little bit uh, earlier because a lot of people are expecting oh a goodness. big leap. From the from same OG. website, too. Yeah, from the same website. Uh, he is like, what, like the fifth favorite when it comes to most improved player now, and that was not the case earlier in the summer. Um, so also that to make the playoffs plus 230 is a very enticing number, too. I know you locked that one in as well. So there's some... Good bets to be had. If you're bullish on the Raptors season, 
Like you can make some money here. Well, it, yeah, if, if you're bullish if on you're the Raptors bullish, season. I mean, important. there's a lot of things there that won't come true as yes. well. Yes, The make the playoffs is interesting to me because this is plus 230. And um, that's suggesting, so is the playing game part of the playoffs? You have to make the actual playoffs. So you have to win your part of the playing Correct. game. Because that's value if it was eight teams yes. or I guess it would be ten they teams. They do not consider the play-in to be categorically the NBA playoffs. Once you win those games and you get into the playoffs, that is when the bet would cash. Plus 230. Still, in my opinion, a pretty good bet. I know the East is deeper, but a lot of things can happen that, you know, something is going to have to break the Raptors' way, but it is not completely unfeasible to me at plus money that the Raptors would make the playoffs. They've got some good players on this team. They're a good team, Tim. Of course, my phone is slowing down as I'm trying to pull up my bets to see what I got OG <laughs> Ananobi at, but it's significantly higher I than I think that. you said it was 33-1. to 1, I think it's what you told me, which is an absurd number. I got him at plus 3,300 Yeah. for most improved player. Yeah. And that's already down to 1,000? It's a 1,400. I should have put more than I did on it. What are they, are they offering you a cash out? Yeah, what I bet. What you bet, okay. Well, after he puts up 30 tonight, we'll see how much they're offering you. There you go. <laughs> this is the second straight year, though, that I've bet OG and most improved player. All right, coming up, James Bond. I mean, Elliot Friedman stops by for three of 32. Well, look at that guy. The latest on Travis Hamannick, Mark Bergevin's future with the Habs all coming up with Elliot. Elliot Friedman. Next until friends. Welcome back to Bruins. Visit the Flyers tonight. Scotiabank Wednesday night hockey. Coverage starts with Hockey Central 7 Eastern on Sportsnet 1. Note the channel or Sportsnet now. Which is easy. You just go there. Elliot Friedman will be a part of tonight's panel. You can also listen to his weekly 32 Thoughts podcast along with the lovely and talented Jeff Merrick. You can read his 32 Thoughts column on sportsnet.ca. It's all brought to you by the first ever GMC AT4 lineup. Joining us now uh, from the brand spanking new hockey studios is Friedman. Elliot Friedman. What's going on, Fritch? Thanks for the avatar. I love it. Are you, are you using the... Uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> on both my Twitter and my Instagram. Oh, look at this. Look at here, look at here, look at here. Uh, the avatar has been changed. Elliot Friedman looking sharp, I will say. Elliot, that is one of the best pictures that I've yeah, seen. Yeah, he looks really good. Look really I, I got to tell you, there's not a long selection, Tim. So it's <laughs> not like it, it took a long way to get to the top of that list. It's Fridge. Oh. <laughs> Elliot Fridge. I almost broke my mic there, yeah. Fridge. I can't see you, so I can't see what you're doing. <laughs> you don't have a monitor in the no, desk the there? No, the monitor's on, this, on our... Oh, that's, 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 I can't see what you're yeah, doing. Well, when you look... I mean, you've done that to me before where I do things and you just stare blankly into the screen, so it's not out of the normal. Yeah, it's, that's just normal me, staring blankly into things. That's, that's how I've made my whole career, pretty much. Uh, I know that there's lots in today... Or, uh, I guess it was yesterday's 32 Thoughts. When did you post the last 32 Thoughts? Yesterday. Yeah, it was yesterday's 32 Thoughts. And I was kind of combing through for some of the stuff that I wanted to pick out for three of 32. And one of the things I stopped on was Travis Hamannick and the yep. situation in Vancouver. Yep. And I know that there are Canucks fans who want to know more about his absence, but I also know that many of them just want to know if the Canucks will be able to spend the money that they gave him in the offseason deal. How are the Canucks sorting through this situation when you could probably make a case that they would probably need help on defense. 
Yeah, you know, right now I don't think they're looking to do that. I think they'd rather see if this will eventually sort its way out. Um, you know, the, look, there's a lot of rumors, and the person I know who knows the best, you know, all he will say to me is, it's not as simple as it sounds. And, you know, so, and, you know, anytime there's something like that, I, I've learned over the years to just wait, wait it out. I know people don't like that. They want the answer right away. And I totally understand that. But whenever someone like, uh, like this individual says to me, you have to wait it out, there's an explanation that we're all going to have to wait for here. The action that the Canucks took yesterday, calling it an unpaid leave, says that at this point in time, they, and I'm sure the League and the Players Association are involved in this, mm-hmm. are not trying to take this into a kind of fight. We're not at the point, at least not yet, where people are, where the Canucks or the League or the Players Association feel this needs to turn into something where we're talking about termination of a contract or something like that. We're not there at this time. Now, if things continue on this road, could we get there eventually? But right now, what it says to me is that they would prefer to sort this out amicably, and that's what the attempts uh, are at this point in time. How worried about their early season play are they in Vancouver? Like, I know they've had a couple of injuries, but Travis Green wasn't given any excuses last night. No. You know, look, do I think... Look, I think that they're... Hockey people are always paranoid, right? So you're trying to be calm and you're trying to say it's early, but you're looking at that game. You know, look, like you had a game against Detroit, and even though Detroit and Buffalo are playing really well right now, you look at those teams on your schedule and you're thinking, you know what, those are wins we got to have, and you didn't get them. So you're probably, and people, coaches and general managers, they're naturally paranoid to begin with, right? So you have results like that and you're triply paranoid. On the outside, you're saying we got to be calm. We got to be calm. It's still early, but I'm sure they're looking at that one. Like the thing that would concern me the most about the one last night is just how much the offense dries up when Hughes isn't out there. Yeah. And we saw this, you know, at times when he's been hurt too. And last year in the playoffs against, or two years ago in the playoffs against Vegas, when Vegas really targeted him and, and took him out of games, they realized that. It was very hard for Vancouver to score when Quinn Hughes was either shut down or he isn't there. And that's the thing that I would be most concerned about last night for the Canucks is without him and the way he controls the game, you know, Buffalo dominated them. And I, and I think we'd all, we would all have been shocked to see that. Without a doubt. Uh, Kenny Reed has turned this into an 80s reference show. Uh, okay. At least he did in the first hour. So I'm going to make another 80s reference by saying we all know that stats are like Shannon Tweed movies. They show a lot, but they don't show everything. I'm going to give you a stat. You tell me. I don't know if that's accurate, but okay. <laughs> I will. How is it not accurate? Uh, I'll just. Show it everything. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. Uh, so Canadian teams playing American teams after the North Division last year yeah. have three wins in 13 games. The number is 3-7-3. Three, three. Is that a super stat or a meaningless number? No, it's a. It's legit. I think it's it's legitimate. Um, you know, I, I look. I I think last year I loved the Canadian division. I, I thought, you know, I, I don't think it was as bad as people said it was. I you know I I really thought it was a good fun division with a lot of meaningful games. But 
um, like a lot of the best teams in the league are in the United States. Now, would I have expected Detroit and Buffalo again the yeah. results they got against Vancouver back to back? No, I I wouldn't have thought that, Tim. That one is definitely a surprise to me. But look, you, you and the look, California teams too. Yeah, the California teams are a big surprise. I I wouldn't have expected. Uh, Winnipeg to lose in both Anaheim and San Jose and since they were my pick as the best Canadian team I'm already getting the the Twitter feedback about that that one absolutely surprised me Um, you know Anaheim you know like they're they're playing better than I thought so yes I I think these are legit results I don't think it's a it's a stat that you can throw out I'm not surprised that you know the record is is where it is all right, uh, you, you mentioned termination of a contract when it came to Travis Hamanek, yeah. and, and it caught my ear because of obviously the Vander Kane situation. Yeah. What's the latest here? I mean, I know the Sharks have said, listen, we're not making any comments, but then the players had to go and answer questions, yeah. and, and that's tough on them, especially when you had the report uh, in the offseason that some of those guys didn't want him back. Like, mm-hmm. where are we on a Vander Kane in his 21-game suspension? Well, what was clear, and we reported it yesterday, is you can't – they can't. It, after it was announced, people were like, "Oh, okay, the Sharks should terminate his deal because he got suspended for this." That's not happening. That can't happen. Mm-hmm. You can't suspend someone and then terminate the deal. So he is eligible to come back at the end of November. I don't have a great read for where this is going to go. I, I do believe that, like I think Kane wants to play. I, I think that you know the Sharks. I think the Sharks would like to move on, but it's not like there's a trade market here. So the way I see it is the choices are they could try to send him to the minors, but I don't know if they would want him to go to the minors in San Jose. Would there be another team uh, maybe in the American Hockey League that would want him? And they would still have to pay most of his salary. Is he willing to do that? Um, you know, are, are, would we talk about a paid leave like we, we did with Hamannick? Could we potentially see the Sharks try for an unpaid leave? I don't even think that necessarily would be possible. But I think that you're going to see a lot of options be- discussed between now and the end of November about how this is going to work. I mean, the simplest thing to happen, Tim, is Evander King comes back for the Sharks. He plays like gangbusters. And, you know, he stays in line with what the team says the rules are going to be. But I don't know if that's going to be possible. You know, the, the Sharks are off to a really good start. They beat Winnipeg. They looked tremendous last night in Montreal. I mean, who knows where they're going to be in six weeks' time. But if they continue to go forward, I'm not sure they're going to want to tamper with that. So I think there's going to be a lot of conversations here about what everybody is willing to do and what the Sharks and Kane are, going to, are willing to work together to do. All right, I love that we're getting past three of 32. We're getting into four and five, so I want to continue. Uh, you mentioned the Sabres play. I mean, yep. unbeaten Buffalo Sabres. Yep. Will, will this change anything on the Jack Eichel front? Well, one thing I do think it does is it emboldens Buffalo a little bit to say that we don't necessarily feel in a rush to do anything, right? right. Um, I, I do think that happens. Like, I, I do think that the Sabres... I don't know if they're feeling pressure, but I I think they are kind of in a situation where people are saying to them, we would like to get this settled sooner rather than later. I don't think people want this situation to linger. But it's always easier to hold firm when you're winning as opposed to when you're losing. 
Um, you know, I'm sure everybody in the Sabres organization loved their fans chanting 3-0 and at the game last night. It was probably a great moment for them. Um, but, I, I, like, look at, the, look at it this way, Tim. I, I think people would like to see this wrapped up one way or the other. I think they'd like the Sabres to trade them, yeah. or I think they'd like them to say, okay, go get your surgery. But I don't think the Sabres are feeling that pressure. I know that of all of the people involved in this, they feel the least pressure to move. I know there's some pressure in Toronto to get Morgan Riley done. Is there mounting pressure to get Jack Campbell done? Well, if he keeps playing the way he's playing, you know, the the thing is that, Tim, I think what you're going to see here is Toronto punt a lot of its decisions to the end of the year. Yeah. Like, like we, I mentioned in my notes about the, the extension that Cal Peterson, his former teammate, signed in, uh, in L.A. It's three times five. You know, someone was saying to me this week, that contract, that's, that's not going to make it easier for Toronto and Jack Campbell. Now, Campbell could always decide that he says, look, I like Toronto. I'm, I'm going to make it wor- a work. But in terms of pure comparables, that one is a tough one for the Maple Leafs. Um, however, I believe that Toronto in general is going to make a lot of their decisions at the end of the season. I think they're going to see how this goes and make their calls from there. And I think they look at it like, we know what it's going to cost to keep Morgan Riley. We just have to decide at the end of the year if that's what we'd like to do. Yeah, I'm uh, the, the evolution of Morgan Riley and what he's asked to do in Toronto mm-hmm. is a real interesting one for me. And if I'm a betting man right now, given flat cap, given where they are, I would not be shocked to see Toronto walk away from Morgan Riley. But the thing is, here's why I disagree with you, Tim. I mean, look, look, I think your thesis is fair. Mm -hmm. I I do. It's not the worst thesis I've ever heard, and I've heard some bad ones. But what I would would say is, I, I think it's irrelevant now. You know, if if they break through in the playoffs and Riley's a huge part of that, they're going to find a way to do it. Now, if they don't, then they might just say, look, we've got to make a lot of different decisions here. <laughs> right. But I, I think this is all going to be determined by performance. I, I, and not, like I said, not only with the players, but I think potentially the executives right. too. So why, I don't know why anybody would say that now. I think Riley's play and the team's results will dictate what they decide to do. So your crushing of my thesis is if they have a really good playoff and he plays really well, then they'll re-sign him. Well, I, I just think that... <laughs> Thank you. I, I get it. I know. Yes. I, I just think that play dictates. Like, what happens if they if they of realize course. he's important and they might have to move someone else to keep Riley? Yeah. I don't see why that can't happen. I, I think I'm making a comment on what I think of Riley as a player right now is what I'm saying in this moment. What, you, you don't think he's very good? No, I don't think he's a one. No, I don't think he's a one. You see, I, like, I don't, I don't get this argument. I, I don't. Like, I think we get caught up in, in like, a one or a two. Yeah, what, but if, if you had a team that had five threes, then I'd be okay with it. But they're not a team that has five threes. No, but I think you determine <laughs> how important a guy is to your situation. and You place the value on him that way. That way, yeah, yeah. That's the way I've always looked at it. Like, like. You know, I understand we all do comparables, and this guy's making nine five here, so this guy should make ten five here, and this guy should make seven here. I think it's deeper than that. I think it's how does someone fit into your situation? Without a doubt, without a doubt, and I think that that's why you know when you had Morgan Riley and you had listen, we're running out of time, and I don't want to keep you too long because you got a show to do. But when you had Travis Dermott, you had Morgan Riley, you had Jake Gardner. There was a lot of the same player. 
right? And that made Jake Gardner, and whether or not you agree with what Carolina paid him, that made him more valuable to another team than he was to Toronto. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if the Leafs aren't trying to find the Morgan Riley right now. They might be, but I'll tell you this. One thing about Riley, and we talk about this a lot in, in Canada, he loves being a Maple Leaf, and he can handle this. Yeah, and, and that's not valuable. everybody is wired for that. Yeah, that's valuable. I will agree with that. We'll agree there. Two minutes over. I appreciate you hanging around. No worries. Just, Jesse, just send it out. Tim says Riley stinks. That's the, that's the headline <laughs> from this segment, okay? I love it. I'm on it right now. All right. All right. Thanks, Elliot. All Be right, well. All right, take care, guys. See you and, later. Uh, I love talking to Bond. James Bond, or just Elliot. Elliot Friedman. <laughs> Last call next, right here on Tim and Friends, featuring Elliot. Elliot Friedman. The trade gets me every time. Last call, Tim McAuliffe, Jesse Rubinoff. And the funny thing about Frege's. Uh, summarization of our conversation at the end there about Morgan Riley is that I've said like repeatedly on this show that Canadian markets are way too tough on defensemen. Mm -hmm. Like they need Nick Lidstrom in every market. Like any guy who gets beat is bad in Canada. Right. And that's why defensemen get chewed up and spit out and end up like Schultz or Murphy or whoever, Petrie getting chased out of Edmonton only to be really good in Montreal. Like, I think we repeatedly do that. I just think that Morgan Riley has a boatload of skills, and I haven't seen the next steps with that boatload of skills. Does that mean that he sucks? No. It just means that I don't know if he's the guy that the Leafs thought he was. No, it's a fair point. And you know how I know it's a fair point? Because he referred to it as a thesis. <laughs> which adds much more credence to it than to, uh, an opinion. Academia? Yes, yeah. like Professor Friedman. So he's James Bond and now Professor Friedman. Yeah, it's more of a Professor Friedman than right. it is a James Bond. Tim's thesis on Morgan <laughs> Riley. Yes. Um, okay, let's go to baseball. we got to check in on ALCS Game 5 from Fenway, and I've been told we have the highlight of the playoffs so far. Forget walk-offs, big home runs, who cares about diving catches. you got to check out this catch. This is oh. ridiculous. I mean, that's the basically the entire bat um, off. That's not. That's, that's a, Raphael Devers' bat. By that's the way. not. That's not the entire bat. Let's see it again. He catches a spear. My guy saw it off. This is splintered. He could have saved lives with this catch. I saw it on my timeline about an hour ago, and I was like, I'm going to bring this up in the show. And producers whispered in my ear, I think we're going to have it a little later on. Don't worry about it. That catch of, like, he had to at least get one splinter. So that went over the net? That went over, over the, the net, net, into the crowd. My guy caught a spear. My guy caught a javelin in the air. That's what he did. Yeah. A splintered javelin. Yeah, I mean, that is incredibly impressive and well done because you're right. <laughs> I he, like he, how you're taking it seriously. <laughs> well, he, he stepped into he, he came up big in the moment there, and you're right, protected some people. So uh, the question is, obviously, I don't think you've ever caught a spear at a baseball game, but have you ever caught anything at a baseball game before? Um, there was a time, I'll tell this story as quickly as I possibly can, sure. but there was a time, and we showed this on the show, where uh, my son is an ardent gatherer of foul balls and he's really good at it as a matter of fact and uh, one game I'm sitting there and he was working on the bullpen and trying to get a ball from the bullpen and a foul ball came to exactly where we were sitting I knew I'd be letting down old sunny boy 
if I didn't grab this foul ball. So one hop, I grab the foul ball, and there's like a little kid running up oh, no. as I grab the foul ball. No. And you can see the immediate fear in my eyes. We have it on camera, we played it on camera. And I turned and I flipped the ball immediately to my son so that I didn't look like a douchebag. You're not culpable at that point. Yeah, I just, I'm, look, this is my, I flipped it over, it was like a shovel pass from Patrick Mahomes, real quick. Hit my man, he catches it, runs down the aisle and gives it to the little guy. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. And I felt like a bigger douchebag, but then proud of my son. Oh, that's an amazing uh, achievement in parenting. Yeah, I was uh, I was very proud. We showed it on the show probably like 150 times because I was proud. But that was the time when I caught up. See, a, it's amazing. That, it's amazing that he did that. But you both would have been in the clear if you had caught a foul ball and given it to your son. It's if you kept it for yourself where you would have been in hot water. I, I kind of, I mean, we can get video evidence of this and maybe tweet it out later, but I kind of beat the kid to the ball. He should have been faster then. <laughs> but you gave it to Send your son. Send me live. You gave it to your own kid. Yeah, I'm no, all I'm, for it. I, I'm I think a, it's legit. I'm a big fan of, and he knew why. And I think that's why he handled it anyway. That's so nice. Yeah. Class I was, move. I was very proud. Class move proud. by the McAuliffe's, no doubt. Uh, Champions <laughs> by League. A McAuliffe. <laughs> a Not McAuliffe. the McAuliffe. Right. No, I didn't do jack. Well, he gets it from you. Yeah. The apple doesn't fall far. Okay, Champions League group stage continuing today. Defending champs Chelsea winning big 4-0. Bayern also winning 4-0. Barcelona picking up their first Finally. group stage win. And in Manchester, United went... 2-0 down before coming back to tie it up, setting the stage in the 81st minute for another Cristiano Ronaldo moment. Have a listen. No, it didn't. Maguire by the far post. Doesn't come to him, but it does come to Ronaldo. When you need a hero, you've got an ultimate hero. Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, United wins, and who is the greatest of all time? Is it Messi or is it Ronaldo? Uh, it's Pele. How much time do we have? <laughs> it's Pele. Uh, I do, Ronaldo has this special ability to perform when they need him the most. Right. He's also scored a ton of goals and penalties, but whatever. Uh, okay, I want to get to this If quickly. you made me pick, I'm a Messi guy, it's Ronaldo. And I'm a messy guy. It's too big of a conversation to have right now. Last call. I got to get to the next thing. Well, okay. One of the tweets from the match game we showed earlier um, was from a friend of the show, Sammy, who okay. said, having the Raptors back is better than my $25 birthday gift 12 years ago, which was Bitcoin money, which is now $18.7 million. We did some digging. She could be right. There's a bit of sketchiness in those early, day, early days with Bitcoin. But in 2010, the first known commercial transaction using Bitcoin occurred when a programmer bought two Papa John pizzas for 10,000 Bitcoin, which means, Timmy, he paid $800 million for two pizzas. <laughs> Correct. Uh, Bitcoin at an all-time high today, trading at just over 81,000 Canadian. So 10 years ago, the price started trading at 30 cents per Bitcoin. That means Sammy's $25 investment from that point on would be worth about $7 million. Do we need to buy Bitcoin? You or is it too late? You could say that about a hundred different things. You could say it about Apple. You could say it about Google. You could say it about... There's a lot of things that have... You could say that about the score. <laughs> you could say, yeah, yeah, say that about a lot a of things. Uh, a lot of us former workers there uh, had a 12 cent share that's now worth $40. Yeah, sometimes you just got to like... Spray and pray with investments. Like, just spread it out there. Hopefully, you yeah. hit one. Like I Bitcoin, twenty five dollars eight years ago. I don't think Bitcoin's ago. done though. Definitely. All right, not. that does it for us. 
A reminder, Game 5 of the ALCS continues on Sportsnet right now. Game 4, NLCS coming up 8 Eastern. That's on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360. We've also got the Bruins and the Flyers in Scotiabank. Wednesday night hockey, that's on Sportsnet 1. Have a great night. We will talk to you again tomorrow.